Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On All Things Franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad, because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros and I'm your host today. Thanks so much for joining me. I am always honored when people find time out of their busy day to spend with me. I want to read a little something to you. Prior to COVID-19, thousands of businesses in the U.S. closed, uh, closed every year when they ran into problems they could not overcome. And we know this is true because we've seen it happen time and time again. Today, thousands have either closed or pivoted. And we've talked about that pivoting piece um, that many of the franchises had to do during COVID. Uh, They either closed or pivoted to a new model. Many other businesses are springing up in response to new normal, quote, post-COVID. And we've also seen where companies like um, uh, DoorDash and some of the uh, shopping delivery services have just exploded. So that's a whole new industry that's come out of or gotten stronger since COVID. This went on to say the most recent government figures show that 20% of new ventures fail within the first two years. 45% fail within the first five years. 65% close during their first 10 years of operation. Only 25% of new businesses make it to 15 years or more. That's rather staggering, isn't it? That's actually a quote from the book Think Red Flags, um, a proactive, profitable approach to your small businesses. And the reason that I read that to you is because today I am honored to have the author of that book, Walter Hill, join us. Walter is a second-generation entrepreneur. After working with his father and attending University of Maryland, Walter moved to Los Angeles, where he became a notable leader in the brand marketing industry. He's received many awards for his business achievements over the years. And as I said, uh, Walter is also, also the author of Think Red Flags. So please help me in welcoming author, uh, Walter to the show. Hey, Walter, welcome to the show today. Well, thank you, uh, Linda, and um, thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure as I was reading that, you thought, gosh, that kind of sounds familiar to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Yes, it did. (laughs) So, Walter, tell us a little bit about your background Uh and what drew you to entrepreneurship. I know you said your father was an entrepreneur, but... What, what in becoming an entrepreneur was attractive to you? 
Well, I, I'm not sure that I, uh, Linda, I'm, I'm not sure. That, that's a good question. And as I think about it, I'm not sure that I, uh, it was a plan uh, to become uh, an entrepreneur. It was more of just an evolution. I, at nine mm-hmm. years old, I started working in my father's business. Um, and I think that a lot of people uh, have a similar experience when they were kids of some kind of work activity they had, if it was cutting lawns or, you know, delivering papers, some responsibility where you provided a service and you received compensation for it. So that's kind of the catalyst for uh, entrepreneurship is where you learn to provide service or product, and as a result of that, uh, you receive the reward of compensation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up with that. I grew up in an environment uh, – in a segregated community in Virginia, town Petersburg, Virginia, had about 30,000 people. But, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't all, all bad. It was, uh, I, I was surrounded by my father's friends. Uh, the, 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 the drugstore owner was an African-American. My the dentist and doctor was an African-American. My teachers were African-American. Uh, the service station owner, my uncles owned the store. My dad owned three small businesses. So it was more of uh, just a natural evolution for me to to pursue a career where the more I could produce would be the more I could earn. So mm-hmm. that was just kind of a, a natural uh, beginning for me. Mm-hmm. So you really had role models uh, surrounding you that were entrepreneurs, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was which just, is uh, unlike, it was, which is unlike so mm-hmm. many, so many of us in, in my generation, I'm a baby boomer. So many of our parents mm-hmm. were, uh, were employees. I didn't have the luxury of being surrounded by uh, entrepreneurs who thought outside of the box. So what a blessing for you to have those people around you that could um, act as a role model for you. Absolutely. And, and that's exactly how I would describe it, uh, Linda. It was an absolute uh, blessing for me to, um, to have that experience early on. It, it just provided a way for me when I worked my way across uh, um, the country, uh, stopping in several cities as I, I talked about that somewhat in the book. Um, it's, the book is not an autobiography, uh, Think Red Flags. Uh, but um, it, in order for people to really have some understanding of how I came to the conclusion, how I learned to run a business, um, you know, at its maximum profit potential um, with, without errors that were, were costly. Now, let me correct that. I did not run a business without errors. There were, of course, there were, there were errors. I'm only referring to those errors that could be catastrophic, that could, mm. you know, that, that cost a lot of money and a lot of pain. Uh, I was, was able to do that um, uh, in my business. And so I wanted people to, the reader, to have some idea of what my progression was, how I got to the point where I understood this red flagging concept and applied it to my business. Well, let's just dive in a little bit deeper in that red mm-hmm. flag concept there. And mm-hmm. tell me, you know, what to me, Walter, red flag means, oh, um, Linda, you need to pay attention here. Tell me, how does that apply 
in your book and the way that you um, you you apply that to business. Uh, I, I think you you have a very accurate description of what it is. It's a very simple term. That's why I was able to share it with my staff to the point where they could grasp it and understand how to apply it. Um, it's it's. Um, it's it's a, a kind it's a way of thinking um this of red flagging and the common term does mean uh beware caution um you know you you come to a railroad caution uh, crossing there's a caution sign mm-hmm. you we get ready to cross the street and we learn as children we exercise caution naturally we mm-hmm. look one way in one direction we look in another direction because we know if we walk out in front of a car we're going to be in harm's way. We could be be hurt or lose our lives. So, you know, these are all red flags. It's not a it's not a highly sophisticated terminology, um, and that's why I wanted something very basic that everyone on my staff could learn to understand. And once they understood what it was and how to recognize red flags, then you can put in the policies and procedures to uh, avert them so that mm-hmm. they would not happen. Now, this mm-hmm. does not apply. This is not a, a process where you don't make mistakes. The idea is to make fewer mistakes and to avoid those mistakes from which you cannot recover. Right, right. You know, Walter, I'm sitting here thinking that, you know, as a, a franchise uh, consultant, uh, many mm-hmm. of those that I work with are coming like right out of corporate. And I wonder, do they even know a red flag when they see it? Do you help them to even identify, oh, this is what a red flag looks like? Yes, absolutely. There are many examples in the book of um, of what red flagging looks like what red flagging is mm-hmm. um i i wanted to to write about uh, in the experience in a way that was simple uh clear uh i gave many examples of of, of incidents where entrepreneurs did not red flag a uh, a friend who was transitioning from the promotion side of the business where you sell to corporations to selling to retail organizations like, you know, Home Depot or Walmart. And what would be the red flags in, in that? Well, the, a couple of things that we talked about in the book was how one of the, the main things is how it affects your capital um, and, and your cash flow. Because you're going from clients who pay you within 30 to 45 days to retail outlets that pay you within 90 to 120 days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's, a, that's a red flag. I mean, it, uh, it, it, it's not complicated, but it's something you need to be prepared for, pay attention to, and be prepared as to how you're going to adjust to that lagging cash flow because if you don't, that can, it's something that can take you under. There are many, many, many examples. Some of it is intuitive. You, 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 you walk into a convenience store, and um, everyone has the ability to red flag. You walk into a convenience store. If you see a man standing there with a big, a, a long coat and a, a hoodie, and it's 90 degrees outside, 
and his hand is underneath the coat, and he's standing at the counter. Mm-hmm. Right, away, right away, you, yeah. you, you know, your instincts, your intuition says, well, this, this doesn't look right. You know, something right. is wrong here. It's right. a red flag. So you don't walk up to the counter. You either retreat or you take your chances and ignore the red flag and walk up to the counter and maybe be a part of a robbery or, mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. uh, and, and risk your life. So that that's, in essence, what uh, the red flagging is. This it's a, it's a very... I consider it elementary, not not because we did it so well, uh, but because um, I, I think it is. And and then once you once we had those things identified in our business that we could not afford to do, for example, if I was importing uh, two or three uh, containers from China, a red flag is I can never, as a small business, have three hundred thousand dollars worth of merchandise coming into a port. And when I when it arrives to me, I open a container and it's not what I expect. Mm. It's not mm-hmm. exactly what the customer expects. And mm-hmm. my customer is not going to accept this merchandise. I've already paid the factors in China. I have merchandise that I can't sell. That could take a small business under. Right. You know, that could mm-hmm. cause failure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the idea with red flagging is to you you it's a practice and it's a mindset. And then we set up policies and procedures that we had to make certain that that did not happen to us. Mm-hmm. So in 30 million dollars of import goods that we brought in as a small business um the only mistake and we did experience a couple of mistakes but the mistakes were factory mistakes. They were production mistakes. There was a glue that wasn't properly, uh, you know, wasn't produced at the right temperature, so it didn't hold. Those are mistakes you can do nothing about. I mean, right. you know, you, you can't, you're not going to have a perfect, perfect score with this. But that was on the manufacturer. So it was the manufacturer's responsibility to replace the goods and resulted in no financial loss mm-hmm. to our company. Mm-hmm. You know, so we en- we enjoyed less than half percent error rate in our in our company, wow. and I refer to major areas, things that cost money, that cause mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. You know, Walter, the last couple of years um, have been quite a challenge for small business owners. And folks, if you're listening to this recording, it's November the 16th of 2021. So I don't know that we have completely recovered from some of the the challenges that we faced during COVID, and certainly many businesses um, were taken under by it, depending on the industry they were in, and depending on the leadership team as well. I found that the leadership team of many of the franchises is what actually saved the, the franchisees um, during this very, very challenging time. So do those same red flags apply here, or did, were there uh, additional red flags that, would, that a business owner had to be aware of during these challenging times? There are some, a, a lot of the red flagging uh, knowledge and the intuition comes from historical events, comes mm-hmm. from experiences you've had. This was a unique occurrence, this pandemic. Um, I would never say 
that there was a way to predict and plan for such a catastrophic event that we experience in this country, the small business. Mm-hmm. Um, I always believe that things things can't happen. I don't know what they are, but I would know that there is no such thing as a perfect scenario. You moving forward, something will happen. So I, I always have some preparation for it. I had a friend who was telling me that she had reserves, and I said, did you build up your reserves in your business so that if something unanticipated happens, you can cover it? And her response to me was, my reserves were my uh, receivables, meaning my reserves were my receivables. Now, and I'm I'm not making making light of her. That Mm. was, you know, without having the foresight of what would happen in a pandemic if your receivables now are not going to be nullified any benefit you have from your receivables. It's hard to anticipate that, but I referred to that as available capital, available cash, you know, mm-hmm. uh, build up in, in your own business. Um, and it was interesting how she defined reserve. Mm-hmm. So um, that obviously didn't work out well for her because the mm-hmm. clients uh, at that point could not pay her invoices. So mm-hmm. the receivables were null and void. I, I'm not saying she – I would never say that she should have anticipated I, I don't believe in doing that. It, it doesn't – it's not productive, um, and it, it's just not accurate. No one can anticipate mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. The whole purpose of, of my book, Think Red Flags, is to help people uh, avoid some of those issues, those things that will cause problems and loss and profit for their business And because the idea is always – uh, you know, build up your capital reserves in your business. We did to the point where we could finance finance everything ourselves. Uh, we were true. We were a small business. Uh, you know, we didn't have transactions of five and ten million dollars, but they were you know two three hundred thousand dollar transactions, fifty thousand dollar transactions, and we could always finance them ourselves because we had the capital. Mm-hmm. The margin was on the business margin was not very high. So I couldn't afford to borrow a lot of money and pay the interest because that erodes the profit margin. So mm-hmm. all of that thinking um, was a part of um, you know what led us to be a very successful company. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and yeah. that you make a really good point with that, Walter, because I've had many discussions with um, franchisors, franchisees, and as much as you're correct. We could never have predicted a pandemic, and certainly to this magnitude. And we certainly hope that we never see another one. But that doesn't mean that we won't have challenges in the future. So do you think that some of those business owners have um, maybe changed the way that they do business strictly because they weren't as prepared for a situation like this and maybe be a little more prepared for something that, whether it is just um, a recession, um, there will be something down the road. It, it doesn't. Yes, absolutely. There's always something, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yes, 
there's, there's always something. That's just, you know, it's a part of the life we live we live on our planet. It, um, you know, things happen. I mean, it, and, and that, that saying is a little bit more crude than things happen, but mm-hmm. it, 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 it's the truth. I mean, it, it just happens, and you just prepare the best you can. Now that we're in the pand- pandemic, hopefully coming out of the pandemic, um, I think it's an opportune time for businesses to, um, to, to be positive, to plan, to move forward, uh, and do it a little differently um, this time to understand the value of, of you know, reserves, uh, understand the value of efficiency, um, even if you've been in business for years and you look at your, your, your balance sheet and, and you have, you know, losses every, every year, uh, if they're not substantial, you don't need to address it. Uh, if it's something that would make a difference in your, your, your profit margin, uh, a positive difference to the point where it affects your success rate, then you would want to make changes in it. You would want to read a book, and we have a, um, a workbook in, in the back of this book that helps to walk uh, an individual uh, existing owner or a new owner through the book. I mean, through the, the process of you look at all the different components in your business. Where what are the components in your business, you ask the question, that you must get right or do well in order to succeed? For example, uh, HR. There's an excellent uh, section on HR because HR can be, uh, it can be very painful if, if you don't manage employees right, especially in a state like California. Um, you know, with the claims that people can make against your company, the liability that you have, um, you know, the we had a situation once where, and this was a, a lesson learned, where uh, a young woman with 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 children, um, and you know, we I felt her her pain that she was having and couldn't manage her 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 workday without interruptions to to have to go and see about her children and, and take care of her children. And so we made a concession. We, we let this person uh, come back after, after six, sometimes to catch up and make up hours. Well, that later on, that resulted in a lawsuit saying that we worked her overtime and in um, working her overtime, we owed her all of this money. Wow. So, you know, the, these are the things that, that, that you, you – you can't experience. So there are red flags in HR. Uh, so when someone sues a small business for half a million dollars, that's, that's mm. substantial. Mm. Yeah, that's substantial. That's a pain point. So then we had um, probably one of the most efficient companies with regard to HR management. After that, that was a mm. lesson learned and a red flag that was raised as a result of an experience, not a very good experience. Um, the outcome, you know, turned out fine. But, and again, we were able to, um, we were able to survive that one incident because, uh, you know, we didn't anticipate that one because we had achieved such high-level efficiency and so many others, and we were a very, very profitable business. Mm-hmm. So we had the resources to deal with it and, mm-hmm. you know, to go, to go through it. And then you have your administration, and then you have finance, and then it, if there are things in finance. You say, you know, what would affect my cash flow? Who are my customers? 
am I in a cash business or am I in a do I have to ship and bill uh, business? If you're in a ship and bill business, what are the terms? How long is it going to take these the customers to pay me? And what are the expectations of my suppliers? If my suppliers expect me to pay them in 35 days and my customers are paying me in 60 days, you can see where you have an issue. Mm-hmm. Then you have to start borrowing money to cover the gap, the shortfall, and that erodes your profit margin. Mm-hmm. So in the book, I talk about those things, and I talk about you know how to how to alleviate, how to avoid them, how to anticipate them in advance. If you can anticipate it in advance, most entrepreneurs are intelligent enough that if they know it can happen, that they will devise a, a policy and procedure to avoid it. Mm-hmm. You know, Walter, um, in in light of what you were just talking about, sometimes and many times um, the the business owner can't uh, anticipate something happening. Just like right now, so many businesses are really struggling with receiving the product. It's all sitting out there in shipping containers, and it cannot get into the ports to unload because we just don't have the the truckers to be able to then um, disperse it. Um, it. When when that happens, how does a company who solely relies on import for their business um, how do they bring a balance to that so that in the future they're not 100 percent uh, reliable, reliant, reliant on just their products coming from overseas. That, that's a very good question, and, and I'm not sure that there are uh, there are answers for for every mm-hmm. issue that happens. Uh, you know what what can ask what what happens if there's a a point nine earthquake uh, right. in California that shakes mm-hmm. things up that none of we, none of us can do anything about it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the pandemic was, you know, I've been, been around for a little while and, and I have never seen anything like this that affected business this way. Uh, and, um, the people, uh, who are so affected by it like that for imports, um, like I have a friend that was in the same business that I'm in and we were just, just having a lunch and uh, he was telling me how, you know, now that his, his business was down uh, during the pandemic was down 30%. Now he's up 40%. Mm. Um, So they simply sell what they can get, what they can get instead Mm -hmm. of selling something from overseas at a lower price they have now pivoted and they focus on and telling the customer, if we get this product, it's coming from overseas. It could take six months to do it. If you want it in 60 days uh, or, or 40, 50 days, we have to do it in the United States. One, it costs mm-hmm. more, you know, but we have a much better chance of getting the goods. And, mm-hmm. and, and in doing that, that's the pivot that they've made and they're dealing more with U.S. suppliers because there's absolutely nothing I could tell anyone to do about about this harbor situation that we have and all of those containers sitting out there on the water. 
I, I wish I did have that answer. I'd be a very wealthy man. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's not much you can do about it, but just endure right. the pain and keep the faith and, and, and just, you know, to just move forward. But that's how they were adjusting to it. So uh, anyone who is, is importing, uh, usually you import because of the price advantages, products that I would bring in. Uh, that would cost me two dollars and fifty cents in the United States. I, I sixty nine cents landed when I ordered it from China. So that you know, unfortunately, I didn't want to be one of those people doing that. But you know, mm-hmm. our system is capitalism, and it's open market and fair price. And if you have clients, your customers won't buy from you at a higher price. Because you're buying from the United States, then someone who's buying from China, you either go out of business trying to buy, trying to, uh, uh, you know, produce the goods in the United States, or you survive it and you just bring the goods in from China, you know. Right. So um, uh, that's a, a movement that's not the responsibility of just small business. That would have to be something that is government influenced or something, and I, I don't, I don't really see that coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Walter, I need to take a quick commercial break. And I know you said okay. that you have a lot of stories. When we come back from break, would you mind sharing a couple of those stories with us? Um, sure. Okay, very sure. good. Be happy. Very to. good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Folks, so we're going to take a real quick commercial break, and we'll be back with more from Walter Hill. House Talk Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance, as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come, contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. Linda Ballesteros here, and my guest is Walter Hill. He is the author of Think Red Flags, a proactive and profitable approach for your small business. So, Walter, when we broke for commercial break, I asked if you happen to have some stories that you could share with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, over the span of a career, you have you create a lot of stories uh, yeah. that you can tell. Some some positive outcomes, some not so positive outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I, I can remember a client where we had to do the ultimate red flagging process. There was a movie studio that um, wanted us to do a product tie-in with the mo- new movie that was coming out. It was an animated movie. And they needed 600,000 products. The challenge was they needed it within seven days. Whoa. And, and that, yeah, seven days. And that, that was, uh, that's the kind of uh, request that studios will make. Um, but fortunately, we had a process of how to manage step by step. And basically, all it is, is projecting through each step as we would approach it. Uh, we accepted the project. We found a local supplier. Why? Because we could communicate better with that supplier. That was the first flag. Can you get the right manufacturer to produce 600,000 pieces in that time? That's the first challenge. The answer was yes. We found the local supplier, someone that we knew had some history with from before. And um, then we had to have the next thing is in showbiz, when you're producing some something tied to a movie, the likenesses of the characters, even if animated, and the color of tones of the, the skin has to be perfect. They, mm-hmm. they do not allow if, – if you print 600,000 pieces and the character doesn't look exactly like mm-hmm. their specs, they refuse the merchandise. That's a red flag. You cannot afford to produce 600,000 products and have to throw it in, in the trash. Okay? Uh, so that was the first thing we did. So we cleared that first red flag. Uh, we look at the project and we say, okay, this is the first thing we got to do. Manufacturer, second, we have to do make sure that we produce the right product that's going to be acceptable. So we did that by Friday afternoon. The lawyers approved it. My manufacturer produced over the weekend. We had the first 200,000 pieces by that Monday, and we shipped to the furthest locations because it was 287 locations we shipped to the locations in the east first obviously it takes longer for it to get there Mm -hmm. and then we completed that order so you see you can see where how elementary the red flag thinking is it Mm -hmm. well if we just start shipping out the goods the idea is to get them there on time not to ship them on time but to have them arrive on time so the thinking is, okay, so we, how do we do that? So we, we ship, ship those goods um, to people in the East, and we actually we delivered 600,000 products in seven days without one error. Wow. There is, yeah, there is one other, there was one other thing that I didn't mention, is when you're shipping to 287 locations, you have lots of red flags in the addressing. The labels, because if the labels are not addressed right to get the right quantity to the right place, you will send New York's products to Mississippi. Wow. And Mississippi's product could go to Atlanta, go to Georgia somewhere. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to have a, what's my process? That's my red flag. Now what's my process to make it happen? So we took the letter, we took the communication from the client about the, the, the um, addresses and the locations and the quantity. We took it from them in a format that we would not have to retype it because in retyping, you can have what? 
scary. Absolutely. Right. So we Mm -hmm. take that in to them. And so that if it is an error, their client goofed on it and we don't lose money. You know, Mm -hmm. we hate for that to happen. We would not want that to happen to the client, but Mm -hmm. they have to have some responsibility to give us the right address. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was one of the things, one of the final red flags we did and everything was delivered on time, exact quantity without one single error. What that means is we don't get to just boast about how efficient we are. That means that we received every dime of profit that we had projected in that order. We lost no money. That's the benefit. And, you know, that's where sometimes, Walter, that um, your, your, um, uh, you know, the money that you make, your profit, that's where it can be just eaten away is from some of these errors that cost you money to either have it reprinted or, or re-sent out or something, right? Absolutely. Small businesses lose millions of dollars every year in predictable errors. Mm-hmm. Predictable. If mm-hmm. they understood the process of basically how to think about it. I, I do not want to encourage anyone to go into um, um, you know, a paralysis of uh, right. Trying to catch every mistake. That's not what this is all about. It's not every mistake. My 16 year old daughter uh, once said to me, uh, that was a long time ago. She's, she's quite a bit older than that now. But uh, my 16 year old daughter once said to me that um, I was giving her one of the dad lectures about something, and she said, Dad, you know, I, I appreciate your. Uh, trying to tell my sister and I these these things and to help us, but we're going to have to make our own mistakes as we grow up. <laughs> I, I, I said, okay, sweetheart, I, I understand that, but I want you to understand that I'm not trying to keep you from making mistakes. I'm trying to keep you from making mistakes from which you can't recover. Right. And that's my job as your dad, okay? Yeah. Yeah. The same thing, principle, applies in business. I'm trying to help entrepreneurs not make mistakes from which they can't recover mm-hmm. and can continue their business. But they will make mistakes. Every everyone will make mistakes. I made mistakes. Absolutely. You know, we we had them. We just kept them to a minimum. Sure, sure. Walter, yeah. as we're talking, I'm wondering. Um, it sounds like this applies to absolutely every industry. I can't imagine an industry that would be excluded from this process. You're absolutely right. It is, it is, it's, um, it's first a thought process. Someone said, well, what's the difference in red flagging and, and, uh, uh, you know, a system? I said, well, uh, red flagging is, is a thought process. It comes before the system. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to identify the area that you need to apply the process in the system before you do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, once you can identify the problem, or a potential problem, if that problem has pain points that you would rather not experience, then you set up a process, as we did, um, to avoid it. And if, you know, if, if sometimes if someone still has, has a, you know, a, a brain lapse or something and, and they don't get it right and something, I mean, that can happen. But you're going to reduce the probability of that happening by using the red flag system. 
Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. You know, Walter, we're getting close to the end of the show. If somebody is listening and they want to find out more about you and maybe Mm -hmm. they want to get a copy of your book, Think Red Flags, where would they go to find out more information? Well, you can you can visit me on WalterHillJr.com, or you simply to buy the book. You go on Amazon uh, to buy the book. Think Red Flags: A uh, Proactive and Profitable Approach for Your Small Business. Wonderful. So we're yeah, down and to I, those... I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you no, go, ahead. go ahead. That's fine. Um, I was just getting uh, to those it. last three questions, but um, go ahead okay. and make your last comment for sure. Uh, I was just saying that the the workbook is a really good tool um, because it does help someone start thinking about their own business uh, scenario and how they might apply this 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 thinking uh, to it. And I, I I'm confident that anyone who starts to do it loves it. Everyone I've ever taught this system. Uh, when I talk to them, they they say, "Oh, that's a red flag." I mean, you mm-hmm. know, I and 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 they just love it. It's fun yeah. to be efficient, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to to have your business activities have profit return instead of mm-hmm. laden with mistakes. Most definitely, you know, Walter. I appreciate yeah. you putting that workbook in there because I can't tell you how many times I've read business books and I get to the end of it and think. I really don't know how to get started with this. So by putting that workbook in the back, it really is those action items that many books leave out, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that that was the idea. You know, the the purpose is to be of help, not Mm -hmm. just to share my knowledge, you know, to make me look smart. It's, mm-hmm. it's to really give someone some substance that they can use. Um, that's why, you know, I don't talk a lot in the book at all about my success because that's not what the book is about. It's not an autobiography. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what I've learned that helped to make me successful that anyone can use to help them get to the same place. Yeah, Absolutely. Great, great. So we're down to those final three questions. And I know that some of these questions are uh, specific to franchisees, but I think it can also translate to business owners. So the first question here, Walter, is if there is someone listening who's considering purchasing a franchise or an independent business, what would you suggest that they do to prepare for the process? To prepare for the process, I mean, you know, it sounds self-serving in 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 this comment, but I would first, I would suggest that they read read the book. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's why I wrote the book, is to to help people to learn how to think. My daughter was looking at a a franchise, and um, there are... Because she understands, and as a matter of fact, she was vice president of my company, um, because she really understands red flagging, she was able to evaluate it. You know, for example, if someone gives you a territory and say you're limited to this territory in your franchise, then the first thing you want to know is what is the potential 
uh, customer base right. in this territory. Right. You know, so because if you're limited to that territory, I mean, you see how elementary and basic it is. It, mm-hmm. It's a way of, of, of thinking that where you just talk through the basics, you think through the basics, and then you do the research. And after doing the research uh, on it, uh, previously has there been anyone in the territory? What was their problem? You interview them. You talk to them, mm-hmm. um, to other people that are involved in the franchise to see what their feedback is. Mm-hmm. And I think my daughter ended up going through, you know, two or three franchises that she decided no because um, that information and those facts uh, just didn't add up to success. Right. So, um, so they they were eliminated. Mhm. Mhm. You know, and and some of it is you just also have to look at at trends, and you have to look at industries when you're looking at a business. Um, you'll probably laugh when I tell you about this, Walter. I had someone come to me and say they wanted to purchase a restaurant franchise. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. that's great. So what's been your experience in the food industry? Well, n- yeah. none. I'm a salesperson for a manufacturing company. And I said, so do you have people that are going to partner with you that have that experience? No. And I said, so why are you interested in a restaurant? And he said, because I like to eat. <laughs> and, okay. and I said, well, to begin with, the restaurant inter, inter, uh, industry is a horse of a different color when it comes to businesses. And if yeah. you don't have someone in business with you that has some of that um, experience, then you're setting yourself up to, sail, uh, to fail. I said, here's what I suggest to you. You go out and you eat at all those restaurants and enjoy it, but don't own one because once you own one, then you will not enjoy eating at restaurants as much as you do now. So sometimes that doesn't necessarily translate into owning a business. You know, people say, uh, if you've got a passion, follow that passion, but it doesn't always apply that way, does it? No, no, it absolutely doesn't. And I think that a uh, a good example is the story of uh, Tom Sims, who um, uh, built the Mimi's restaurant chain, 157 restaurants all over the country. Uh, there's a chapter in my book about how Tom did that. So what I did was I interviewed six different because I wanted people to see that the uh, red flagging process applies to a variety of businesses. Mm-hmm. And so there's six business uh, business successful uh, business owners that I interviewed, and Tom Sims is one of them. He's a restaurateur, and and he uh, uh, has excellent uh, tips on the basics, uh, how he set up a matrix so that all of his locations are consistent, uh, how he identifies what the problems are with 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 spoilage and 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 you, that you must serve hot food hot, cold food cold. Anyway. Uh, so he goes through that whole thing. But one of the important things that I also um, did talk about was how you learn, how you get the experience to do what it is you want to do. Mm-hmm. And people get that experience um, through education, reading, 
um, you know, formal education in reading. They they get um, uh, some some experience from working for others uh, and you know personal experience, and they get it from um, uh, mentors uh, of the people's experience. So. In either case, I think you're absolutely right on, uh, Linda, in suggesting that they find a way to have an experience in this business, some experience in it, even if you, you, you work for someone else, um, to learn the nuances of, of the business, or you have a, a mentor, as did many people, uh, the way they started their business, they had a, a caring mentor, um, and uh and 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 because those are basically the ways you learn, so you have to get that information in order to stimulate that intuition. If you have zero knowledge of something, it's hard to to for the you know intuitiveness to just kick in and help you come up with answers and solutions. Exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, well, the mm-hmm. next question here is, what are two traits that make a successful franchisee or a business owner, what are two traits, Walter, that you see are important for someone to be successful at owning their own business? Well, I think, um, you know, you say two traits. There's a, I think there's, there's quite a few uh, traits that the entrepreneurial, uh, you know, determination, um, mm-hmm. one, um, uh, you know, perseverance and determination. I would, I would probably put those in the same category. Um, and you know, the the level of commitment that you you're willing to make to something, and then uh, releasing or uh, avoiding ego oh, yeah. uh, to think that because you are reasonably successful in one category that it's a slam dunk if you just make the change and go into the restaurant business, for example. Mm -hmm. I had an experience in the 80s, and this is a brief story, I'll make it brief, uh, with a very successful real estate tycoon, a man in the billionaire status, um, which obviously, who obviously is someone who is a very capable man in business. But he had this project that he wanted me and a team of people to head up to um, some seminars and, and market this thing all over the all over the country. And um, when we looked at the product, it was a machine that could process 35 millimeter film. It was the size of a copy machine. So the customer potential was incredible. You could put one of these machines in the cleaners, and they could process. 35 millimeter film. You could put one in the bowling alley. You could put on the liquor store. You can put one. I mean, you could just sell them so many places. So the potential was off the chart. But then you have to back up. You have to back up to say, who's manufacturing this product and how dependable is this product? Mm-hmm. And even though there was caution when I said, I've heard about this owner of this product, and it says that he already has. Um, six hundred million dollars in lawsuits against him for not delivering wow product that worked. So how are you getting around that? And the answer was because everyone, including me, we were all eager to carve out these parts of this product in the world, and we were going to just have outstanding success. 
And even with his experience, they ignored it and they say, well, we checked that out and we didn't think that those lawsuits were valid. I said, okay, we went forward. Fast forward, we all end up getting on a 747 Boeing jet flying overseas and we get to this place and there's a uh, beautiful auditorium, car picks us up in, in an auditorium and we're sitting there and these three gentlemen come out and they tell us what we're about to see and the curtain opens and they have the technicians around the machine and they start to demonstrate the machine. And after $30 million and months of preparation, the machine didn't work. Oh, wow. The machine has never worked. I mean, of course, we dodged a bullet because, what, eight to ten years after that, you could take pictures with your telephone. Right. So it was actually a blessing yeah. in disguise, and we didn't go forward with, with that project. But that just goes to show that was a red flag. One of the first red flags is, is what I'm telling people that I can do in my mission statement, can I really do it? Mm-hmm. Can I deliver the product as promised? Mm-hmm. And in this case, do I have a machine that does, actually does what I say it's going to do? The answer was no. So everything shuts down. So those are uh, red flags from which you can't recover. And right. to say that that's so elementary, this was a, a brilliant business mind, but in one category, you know, in mm-hmm. another business category, you shift over to now trying to sell machines and an elementary mistake was overlooked. So I think, you know, sometimes I have seen um, entrepreneurs with that creative mind get really excited about a concept and then they miss maybe some of the the hardware kind of details, for lack of a better term, um, of Mm -hmm. exactly how it will roll out. They just see that this is a brilliant idea. Well, yeah, yep, and that's right. And and sometimes uh, people who know how to, who can pivot, who can make changes Mm -hmm. uh, going forward, you know, who have that, particular skill set, sometimes they make it through. But you're going to have fewer people making it through. That's the point I make. It's not that you Mm -hmm. can't do these things. You don't have to do everything, red flag, these things I'm talking about in order to succeed. But Mm -hmm. you're going to increase the, your potential for success is going to increase substantially if you make these acknowledgments and observations and, and, and corrections before they happen. Sure. Sure. Well, Walter, the last question here is, um, you know, what do you see the future of franchising in particular? What do you see the future of franchising look like? I think there's going to be a substantial increase in franchising. The positive parts of franchising is um, the, um, the basics, the infrastructure uh, that a lot of entrepreneurs are not very good at setting up is that you're able to adopt that. You're able to start with a mentor, you know, and a, a mentor that is, is a professional experience in the business that helps walk you through those, those issues that you've never, maybe never experienced yourself. Um, and the future, because of this pandemic and you, you observed Linda, that so many people are not wanting to go back to work. Right. Not wanting to uh, go back to the same job. They 
they saw loved ones lost, um, you know, mm-hmm. passing from COVID, and they recognized that, the, you know, every day has value. And I want to try to do something with my life that has meaning to me. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think you're going to see a big surge in people uh, going into business for themselves uh, and using the franchise process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have to agree with you, Walter. I, you know, I call the pandemic the great pause because it was like mm-hmm. pressing that pause button on life. And a lot of people took advantage of that pause to reevaluate where they are, where they are going, and is that really where I want to go? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Walter, one more time for those that are listening, where can they get a copy of your book and find out more information about you? Um, WalterHillJr.com. Uh, they can visit my website, and Amazon uh, has the book on the book in, in uh, both electronic version and, and, the, uh, and the paperback. Wonderful. Walter, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. You have a wealth of knowledge that, um, that many of our listeners, and in fact, whether you yeah. own a franchise or an independent business, you can certainly use this information. Tell you what, Walter, I would love to have you back on the show in about six months, and let's kind of see where we are in our business community and kind of reassess things. Would you be open to that? Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I should I should mention Linda that my Instagram and Facebook they can follow me on official Walter Hill Jr. That's official Walter Hill Jr. And they can find Wonderful. out other you know appearances that I'll be making and so on. Okay. Wonderful. Thanks again, Walter. I look forward to having right. you back on the show in the future. Thank you, Linda. Pleasure to talk with you. Goodbye. Absolutely. So, folks, you know, Walter has a great process, and I think what this boils down to is you just have to stop and take your time. Whether you're looking at a business or a franchise to purchase or maybe already own one, it's never too late to really look at it. See if there are any red flags out there that you may have missed some that, um, that may have cost you a little bit of money. Go back and reevaluate that. See how would you have caught that and, um, and just prepare yourself for the next one. As always, I'm going to leave you with a quote. This is a quote by Benjamin Franklin. By failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. Sounds pretty simple, but it's those simple ones that catch you every time. Folks, thanks so much for being with me on All Things Franchising, and we'll see you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising.